it's that time of the week. Now that the college football playoff committee has released their top 25 rankings, which actually matter for week 11, I am going to be discussing the top 10 college football teams of the 2023 season from my perspective. I'm going to be spending a minute to two minutes on each team, and I'm also going to be doing college football playoff predictions at the end of the video. So stick around, watch the whole thing, because my explanations for my rankings and the placements for my rankings do correlate somewhat. More specifically, my explanations correlate with my college football playoff predictions. So today's going to be a whole lot of fun. Let's jump right into my top 10 and playoff predictions. But before we do, please make sure to subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell so that you can be a part of an awesome college football community, the best Big Ten football community on YouTube, and comment your own top 10 rankings and college football playoff predictions down below. Also, like this video and, again, hit the notification bell so that this channel can get into the algorithm, we can reach more people, and hit our goal of 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 season. Lastly, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and also the link in the pinned comment in the comment section if you want to support the channel. No pressure. I always appreciate support. But you do get bonus content if you are an All-American or Heisman patron. Without further ado, let's dive headfirst into the deep end, never dive into the shallow end. At number 10, we have the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss is ninth in this week's college football playoff rankings. They're 8-1, 5-1 in the SEC. Their strength is skill position. Jackson Dart is a great quarterback, could be elite depending on what he does against Georgia and their vaunted secondary. Trey Harris is a great wide receiver, heck, an elite wide receiver. Great is almost disrespectful there. The overall defense is my concern with Ole Miss, allowing 35 to Texas A&M. They allowed Alabama to bomb them through the air a few times, and this was earlier in the season when Alabama's offense wasn't clicking like it is now. The Rebels beat A&M 38-35 in Week 10. They have elite players at running back with Quinshawn Judkins, wide receiver with Trey Harris, and Jackson Dart is a dual-threat quarterback who has improved drastically compared to last season. Their defense must continue to improve, and Ole Miss, to be frank, controls their own destiny. Even if Alabama wins out, and consequentially that means due to tiebreakers, Ole Miss won't go to the SEC championship game. If Ole Miss win, if they beat Georgia and they win out, an 11-1 Ole Miss, depending on what other chaos happens, will have an extremely strong argument to reach the college football playoff. Maybe controlling their own destiny is too far of a stretch, but they've played Alabama, they've played LSU, they're playing Georgia. They have one of the toughest schedules in the country, so I think... It would be Ole Miss and probably an 11-1 Ohio State if those two teams go 11-1, that is, would have the strongest argument out of any one-loss team that hasn't reached their conference championship game or didn't win their conference championship game to sneak into the playoff at likely that third or fourth seed. There's a lot on the line against Georgia, and Ole Miss can totally win. At number nine, we have the Texas Longhorns. This may seem like a low placement, but until Quinn Ewers is back and until 
he plays consistently or Malik Murphy plays consistently. And until Texas can just finish a game properly, I don't like putting them much higher than number nine. I have trust issues with this team, and until further notice, I am placing them around where I had them ever since they beat Alabama, or a little lower since they lost to an Oklahoma team that we now know is fraudulent. Texas is seventh in the college football playoff ranking, so so far, my top ten isn't too far off of the college football playoffs top ten, but there are some key differences. Texas, they have elite running backs like Jonathan Brooks, Xavier Worthy. They have A.D. Mitchell, who has just popped off. Adani Mitchell, you know, love to see him having success. Jatavion Sanders at tight end is great. And Texas's defense, especially in the trenches along with their offensive line, is a force to be reckoned with. They beat Kansas State 33-30 to in overtime. That being a game where Kansas State, they went for it on their on the Texas four. I have no clue why they didn't t- take the field goal. I predicted Kansas State was going to win that game. It went to overtime. Texas did prove me wrong, but it went to overtime. They had several turnovers, whether it was a fumble by Jonathan Brooks or Malik Murphy just throwing the weirdest interceptions. The special teams and turnovers just have to be fixed. Those Those things, special teams turnovers those are parts of football that help you close games especially the latter and texas just needs to get better in those areas if they went out i think that they control their own destiny but more similar to ole miss than let's say an undefeated team or a one loss pac-12 team because of that loss to oklahoma doesn't look as good as it did there's a chance a 12 and 1 texas could get left out of the college football playoff which That would draw a lot of scorn, perhaps rightfully so, but it is what it is. At number eight, we have Penn State. Now, I can buy an argument that Texas might be better than Penn State, but I think that Penn State's defense cannot be, it can't be undervalued. They're eight and one, five and one. They played a team who, just spoiler alert, who cares, is in my top four on the road in Ohio State, they weren't as competitive as that 20-12 to 12 final score indicates, but it's Ohio State on the road, and Penn State can win out. They can beat Michigan this weekend and go 11-1, and one. and at that point, they're right in the same boat as Ole Miss or Texas if those teams win out as well. Penn State doesn't have the same strength of schedule that Ole Miss does, and I'd say it's a strength of schedule that is probably lesser than Texas's due to the fact that the Big 12 has a more, they're more balanced, and Texas has played a top 10 team in Alabama, at least at the time, in the non-conference. But Penn State's defense is elite. They have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen as well, so their running back room's elite. If Chop Robinson is healthy, that's an elite defensive end room, and Adisa Isaac is one of the better edge rushers in the country as well. Abdul Carter, Keelan King, Johnny Dixon, Keaton Ellis, and Hakeem Biaman and their defensive tackles are great at rushing the passer. Nearly said roughing the passer. That would not be a compliment. Uh, their defense is awesome. They beat Maryland 51-15, to 15, almost said 51-14. to 14. It's a weird score in Week 10. The offense, though, is inconsistent and is in dire need of improvement. The offense against Maryland 
was not perfect. Again, it was a lot of short plays, a lot of bruising their opponent, wearing them down, using tight ends, running backs. They only ran for, I think, four, four and a half yards per carry against Maryland. It's a lot like Michigan and Ohio State, where all of these rushing attacks that I thought were going to be superior this season compared to previous seasons are actually inferior rushing attacks, at least on the surface. Michigan versus Penn State should be a great game. Penn State, I think, is undervalued in the college football playoff rankings. They're 10th. I understand why for strength of schedule purposes, but I think Penn State is better than number 10. I think they're a top eight team, if not higher than what I have them right now. And number seven, we have the Florida State Seminoles. The Florida State Seminoles are 9-0, 7-0 in the ACC, and they have clinched the ACC championship game. Skill positions are the strength of the Seminoles. But team efficiency, I think, is a weakness of theirs. They beat Pittsburgh 24-7 to without Johnny Wilson, without Keon Coleman. They would like to have won that game by a wider margin. Uh, games against Boston College, who's a team that finds ways to win. Southern Miss, a win over LSU that looks less impressive every time Brian Kelly takes a punch to his face, etc. Florida State, I think, they're number four right now in the college football playoff rankings. This is probably the biggest spot of disagreement I have with the committee right now. Florida State, they're undefeated, yes, but I think that Washington should be over them on the fact that Washington is a better team, and Washington has also played a tougher schedule. They've played better opponents. I don't think Florida State's a top-four team. I really don't, and even if they go 13-0, and which I think is very likely, and at that point they're a lock to reach the college football playoff if they go 13-0. and um, Look, I don't, I don't think they're a top-four team. They need to be more consistent. They need to be better at running the football, not just getting big gains. They need to do better at stopping the run. They have elite players at wide receiver with Johnny Wilson, and I think Keon Coleman's one of the best wide receivers in the land. They have Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock, who are great. Jared Verse at defensive end and Fentrell Cypress in the secondary. And Jordan Travis is a high upside QB, but he himself has his own inconsistencies. I will say, though, that I feel like Florida State, to a certain degree, is playing these games bored, and they will probably play at a higher level when they play tougher competition. But that's a feeling, and I don't like to go off of feelings that I can't exactly quantify, especially when they're not teams based in the Big Ten, where I have a better understanding of Big Ten teams than I do ACC, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12 teams. Alabama's at number six. This might surprise many of you, especially since I said earlier in the season that I really didn't like Alabama after that loss to Texas, and I thought they looked horrific against USF. I thought that they escaped from a game that should have been won by Texas A&M, and I thought that against Tennessee, people are chalking up that game against Tennessee like it's you know some impressive win. Tennessee is awful. They're the most over-inflated 7-2 team right now. Outside of Iowa, I- I- Iowa should not be even near a top 25 unless they beat Rutgers, and I'm not necessarily convinced that they will. I'm pretty 50-50 on that game. Iowa should not be near a top 25 Uh, Tennessee should not be inside the top 20. I have no clue what Tennessee is doing at, what is it, number 13? Like, are you kidding me? Florida's horrible. And Alabama, they're number six just because they find ways to win. They're much like Michigan last year, 
where Alabama is right now the best second-half team in the country. The difference between this year's Alabama and last year's Michigan, of course, is Alabama doesn't have the same consistent offense. They're both inconsistent in the pass game, inconsistent in the run game. They're just inefficient offensively. I could have said overall offense as their weakness, but I think that would have gotten old. And at times their offense can be a strength of the team, and they can go over the top and just behead you, or Jalen Milrow can just take off and you can't stop him. I think that he is going to be a great quarterback next year, and perhaps by the end of this season, but they are still inconsistent. And really, it took a tipped interception in you know, Jaden Daniels to get knocked out by Dallas Turner for them to win by double digits against LSU. Make no mistake with how that game was being played. Alabama probably wins if he's healthy. I'm not taking away anything from that win. If anything, I'm rating them higher than I am than the college football playoff is, who has Alabama at 8th. They have elite players at linebacker, cornerback, and safety. Their defensive line is good. Uh, Jalen Milrow is playing himself into becoming a great player, and the offense has just enough pieces, along with a defense that I'd say is top 10, maybe top 5, though I'm not convinced it's close to number 1 at this point. I think this team can win out. They can reach the college football playoff. They're 8-1, 6-0 in the SEC. I don't know if they can win it all. The only reason I say that they probably can is because of Nick Saban. This is his best coaching job, potentially, of his career. They don't have a ton of talent outside of their defense. And defensively, it's more so fundamentals that get Alabama by rather than this insanely high plethora of NFL talent like, like let's say, Georgia had in 21 or even 22. And speaking of Georgia, here they are. I think that there's a big gap between number six in Alabama and number five in Georgia. Georgia's strength is their passing game. Missouri had the better rushing attack than Georgia did, but the difference is Carson Beck didn't throw two interceptions. Uh, Brady Cook threw two of them, one to Nazir Stackhouse and another to one of Georgia's elite secondary players, uh, whether it was Dalen Everett, whether it was Malachi Starks, or someone else, I forget, or maybe Tyke Smith. Georgia is 9-0, 6-0 in conference. They have a test against Ole Miss this week. They beat Mizzou 30-21. They have elite players at tight end. Brock Bowers, I'm expecting him to return at some point, and Oscar Delp is really good at offensive line, whether it's Tate Ratledge, Amarius Mims, or Cedric Van Pran, who's the number one center in the nation. Georgia has leadership and physicality amongst the offensive line and corner and safety. I think Georgia, along with Ohio State, has one of the best secondaries in all of college football. Georgia needs to defend the run better, and they need to run the football or rush better. Against Auburn, some said that you know, the run defense of Georgia was a flukish performance after Mizzou ran the ball for over 100 yards on better than four yards per carry. And I think it was Schrader, good running back for Missouri. I'm not convinced that Georgia has a great run defense. I think they have a good run defense, but I think against teams that have great rushing attacks, that have great running backs, they could find wiggle room against this Georgia defense like Penn State. Michigan, Ohio State, if they have Henderson. Uh, Georgia themselves, with Dejon Edwards, could probably run successfully on their own defense. Alabama, if their offensive line is having a good day. 
Look out for Tennessee with Jalen Wright and that offensive line and, and Joel Milton's legs. Georgia is number two behind number one Ohio State in the college football playoff rankings. And without Brock Bowers and with a rushing attack and run defense that just looks underwhelming given their talent in the trenches, I'm hesitant to put them inside of the top four right now. But they had an impressive win over Missouri. I don't want to take away from that. I think Missouri's a top 15 team. At number four, we have the Washington Huskies. They're 9-0, 6-0 in the Pac-12. They're number five in the college football playoff rankings. Their strength is their passing offense. Uh, The weakness is their team balancing. They have a hard time running the football. Dylan Johnson, he put up over 200 rushing yards on USC's defense, but a lot of that was due to his offensive line and USC's defense just being, quite frankly, like poop on a stick. USC's defense is awful. That's why Alex Grinch was fired after Washington beat USC 52-42 to in Week 10. The Huskies have elite players at wide receiver with Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, tight end with Jack Westover, on the offensive line with Roger Rosengarten and Mateo Mele, and really an offensive line that I think could be Joe Moore Award caliber. And then on the defensive line, they have great players. And Michael Penix Jr., him, Bonix, Jaden Daniels, those are Heisman caliber quarterbacks right now, and Penix is one of them. The Huskies need to become more balanced in order to win more games, and their defense needs to get better. Only reason I didn't put their defense as a major concern is because they used it to beat Arizona State when the offense fell flat, and I think that they might have been caught looking ahead to USC when they played Stanford, and USC's offense would put up 42 on any defense that isn't near elite or elite. And Washington's defense, I just think, is a good defense. I don't think it's great or anything better. They probably will need a great defense. They'll need to level up a tier defensively to win a national title. Maybe not, though. Maybe there'll be an exception to the rule, and Penix will do everything in his power, along with that passing attack, to tear every defense apart. So Washington is number four. They control their own destiny. They went out. They're in. It's just that simple. They might even get in with a loss, depending on how the season goes for everyone else. And number three, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes. 9-0, and 6-0 in conference. They're coming off of a win over Rutgers where they struggled, but I predicted them to struggle. So I only dropped them one place. I still think they're a top four team. I still think they're elite. Their defense might be the best in America. I think they're secondary with Denzel Burke, Josh Proctor, Jordan Hancock, Lathan Ransom is the best in America. At linebacker, they have Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, and at the defensive tackle position, Tyleek Williams is a freak athlete, so is Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton's also good. They have Travion Henderson at running back, who looks like one of the best in the country, and obviously Emeka Egbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., who could complain about their wide receiver core. And they still have that elite offensive staff. I have no questions about their offensive staff. Their offense is still managing to score over 30 points per game consistently, despite injury concerns at tight end, wide receiver, running back, despite an offensive line that clearly hasn't worked out, even with transfer portal additions, and a quarterback in Kyle McCord who really would need to rely on a Joe Moore Award offensive line to reach 
any kind of near elite to elite ceiling. And he is still a great quarterback. In fact, I think he's a top 10, top 15 quarterback right now out of 133 FBS quarterbacks. The Buckeyes have to figure out their offensive line. I think McCord is less of a concern than the offensive line. As you give McCord a better O-line, well, Ohio State can run the football more, and McCord won't face as much pressure. And when he gets pressured is typically when he throws his most inaccurate passes, whether that's pressure from a pass rush or pressure to, you know, execute quickly. That is when he makes his mistakes. I have Ohio State at three. If they win out, they are in, obviously, since they're undefeated. I do think, though, they can afford to lose in any of their next few games, probably unless it's Michigan State, which, newsflash, I don't think is going to happen. Maybe Minnesota in a look-ahead spot, or even Michigan. A one-loss OSU because they've played Wisconsin on the road, because they've hosted Penn State, and they also played Notre Dame on the road, so they you know, played someone in the non-conference. I think they would... They, they could back their way into the college football playoff with a loss like they did last season. At number two, and this is a surprise to many of you, we got the Oregon Ducks. Yes, a one-loss team at number two. The reason that is, is because this team is the definition of dominance. Their team efficiency is off the charts. It's them and number one. The top two teams in my poll are, I think, the most dominant teams in college football right now. This is even, you know, a team with a loss. Oregon's sixth in the college football playoff rankings. That's not the dis- the biggest disagreement in this list because I understand that ranking a one-loss team over undefeated Georgia, Washington, and Ohio State is weird. It might even be heresy. But if Dan Lanning kicks two field goals in those, you know, fourth down spots that he could have just kicked a field goal. If he did that, or if Penix's inaccuracy continues instead of having a, you know, he has a resurgence in play after Oregon fails their third, fourth down, well, Oregon wins that game. And with their body of work, you know, going on the road against Texas Tech when they were in wounded animal mode and coming out with a win, it was the worst game of the season for Oregon, crushing Colorado quite like no one else has they've you know destroyed Cal in week 10 63 to 19 that's the same team that scored 49 points on USC imagine what Oregon could do to USC in that 10:30 time slot Bo Nix is a Heisman caliber quarterback Bucky Irving and Jordan James might be some of the best running backs in the country I know for certain Bucky Irving is I've been very impressed with Jordan James Troy Franklin is elite the offensive line with Jackson Powers Johnson, a Johnny Cornelius, Josh Connerly Jr. are phenomenal. And Oregon is fast defensively. Offensively, they have nearly 30 sacks on this season, and they only had 19 last year, I believe. They have to improve their pass coverage, but they have been improving their defense, like I said early on. They also destroyed Utah, winning 35-6. to I mean, this is a balanced team. This is an efficient team. This is a mean team. The way Oregon's playing right now, there's only one other team who's playing like them, and they're undefeated. They were my preseason number one, and I think right now, and ESPN would agree with me, they're the most efficient team in all of college football, the Michigan Wolverines. They have a test against Penn State, their first test of the season, luckily against Purdue, Indiana, 
And Bowling Green, they have faced adversity, I think, to understand when they've made a mistake and not necessarily crumble when they make that mistake. Against Purdue, they had, you know, a mass second quarter. Against Indiana, it took them until the second quarter to wake up. And against Bowling Green, until the third, fourth quarter, they were just constantly puking on themselves. It was gross with the three or four, the, the four turnovers against Bowling Green. It's just nasty. Michigan beat Purdue 41-13 to in Week 10. In that game against Indiana, they won 52-7, to and I'm pretty sure they beat Bowling Green, I think it was 31-6 to is how they beat Bowling Green despite all of those mistakes. This team, even when they wet the bed for a quarter or a half, still finds a way to dominate. They're 9-0, 6-0 in the Big Ten. They have just blown out opponent after opponent. They score 30 points or more every game. They have a top 10 scoring offense and the number one scoring defense. Their lone weakness is they have no tests. They don't. This game against Penn State is by far the toughest game they've played all season. I think for Penn State, since I have Michigan ranked ahead of Ohio State, and I think Michigan's better than Ohio State, this is also Penn State's biggest test. But Penn State has went on the road and played Ohio State. Penn State knows more so how it feels to face an elite team than this Michigan team does at least. Michigan has a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy who I think is elite. I might be premature on this. I'm not going to attach myself to this. But through nine games, he has the number two QBR in the country. He's been consistent against mediocre and bad competition. I imagine that he will play great against better competition. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and Cologne Mullings, that's an elite running back room. Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner are phenomenal tight ends. This offensive line, it's had some issues, but watch the interior of the O-line play. And Michigan, similarly to OSU, kind of has a tackle problem. Michigan just has a much better interior offensive line than Ohio State does. And when Michigan brings in an extra offensive lineman or when they can rotate, they will eventually wear you down in the trenches. And everywhere on defense, they have elite players, whether it's Will Johnson, Chris Jenkins, Jalen Harrell, Josiah Stewart, or Junior Colson. And Ben Herbert, with his strength and conditioning, has built this team into a beast. Speaking of which, I want to tell you my college football playoff projections. The 2023 through 2024 college football playoff, I think, will be formatted like this. Again, this isn't me, th- this isn't me saying who I think the best team will be when the playoff selection comes around. This is where I think how I think the college football playoff will seed the participants and who I think will participate based off of me predicting the rest of the season, essentially. I think Michigan, Georgia, Oregon, and Florida State all win out. I do think Texas most likely wins out, but I think that a 12-1 Oregon would get in over a 12-1 Texas because I'm also assuming that Washington is either going to be 12-1 or 11-2 after losing to Oregon in a rematch. Oregon, they lost on the road by three. Texas lost in a neutral site to an Oklahoma team that could lose another game. And the Pac-12 as a conference is tougher than the Big 12. I think that, you know, Oregon, Texas, for branding, Texas would get in. But for everything else, I think that the Oregon Ducks would get in over Texas. And right now, Texas, I think, because of that Alabama game, has the tougher strength of schedule and strength of record. 
and Oregon's ranked ahead of them. So I think that tells us everything we need to know that the Big 12 champion needs help. Texas does not control their own destiny in the same way that any of these four teams do because of how low they are ranked. I mean, Oregon's one spot ahead of them, and Oregon is going to have to play more ranked games than Texas to finish out the season. The more ranked teams you play, the higher you get ranked, the more of a likelihood you have to rise to the occasion. I think Florida State wins out. That's easier said than done. We don't really have to talk about it. Louisville could maybe knock them off, but I don't know. Louisville's a physical team, though, with Jawar Jordan and that O-line and an underrated defense. So I could see Louisville matching up well with Florida State. I just think Florida State has a lot of talent at the end of the day. And if Louisville enters that game as a you know, top 10 team, Florida State will not be overlooking Louisville. And Jeff Brom best operates as a major underdog who's being overlooked. Georgia, I think, will beat Ole Miss. I think they'll beat Tennessee, obviously beating Georgia Tech, although that will be a tougher challenge than in previous seasons. And I think they're better than Alabama. I think Alabama's going to win out um, and lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think that Georgia, even though they haven't played a team like Ohio State all season long, like Michigan will, I think that the college football playoff committee will give Georgia that one seed. As Georgia's ranked ahead of Michigan right now, I think Georgia being the two-time national champion and going undefeated again will gift them the one seed. Also, even though Michigan will have played you know, two top 10 opponents, Georgia will have likely only played one. Georgia has played that top 10 opponent in the SEC championship game. Michigan will get likely an unranked opponent in their Big Ten championship game. So that, you know, the most recent big win has the biggest impact. Michigan will win out as well, in my opinion. I think that Oregon would beat Georgia in what would be the Sugar Bowl and what would be a total upset and would turn a lot of heads because Oregon just got blown out by Georgia last season. I think Michigan would beat Florida State in the Rose Bowl. Michigan and Oregon, the two most dominant teams in the country in the national championship, would be a very entertaining game. I would take Michigan over Oregon, but I could also see Oregon running the table and winning it all too. I think that Oregon, Michigan, I think that is the, that's going to be like the ultimate collision point between an immovable object in Michigan's defense and the unstoppable force that is Oregon's offense, the number one scoring offense in America. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. I want to give a quick shout out to my patrons, Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg, my Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American patrons. And Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah. Thank you for being All-Conference patrons. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.